In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order that we might understand that the greatest thing about the kingdom of heaven is connection. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we're at the end of our sermon series, this, this God of the Goofs sermon series, and, and as we're, we're going through the sermon series, we, we've seen the disciples do a whole lot of, of goofy things and ask even a lot of goofy questions of Jesus. We've seen Peter do quite a bit of that. We've seen Peter try to walk on water, and, and he, he starts to do it, but then he gets afraid and he sinks down into the water, um, and, and, and then uh, we see Peter uh, actually getting something right for a change when he says that uh, Jesus is the Christ. But then just a few beats later, he, he says, uh, he, he brings Jesus aside and he says, Lord, far be it from you that you would ever go and be crucified and raise again. Uh, and here we're, we're kind of at the end of this moment of, uh, uh, of the disciples uh, sort of doing a, a specific set of these goofy behaviors, but this one doesn't seem like it's all that goofy to us, at least at first blush. Um, as, as we take a look at, at what's going on, uh, things open up, the curtain opens up on this reading with the disciples just asking kind of an innocent question of Jesus, and that innocent question is, Lord, who is the greatest in the kingdom of of heaven. You know, you, you, you've got kind of this sense of, of you know, that, that being like the, the goat of the kingdom of heaven, the, the greatest of all time in the kingdom of heaven. Who is that going to be? Is that going to be Moses? Is that going to be Elijah? Is that going to be somebody else? And, and you know, you, you kind of get where, where they're coming at with that. You know, they're, they're saying like, Lord, who is going to be the greatest of all? all time. And, and if you're a sports fan, maybe you, you, you've kind of thought through that. Um, you know, a, a lot of our sports have, have gone for a long, 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 long time. And, and we've seen how many great sports players there have been in, in so many different arenas and, and how we, we have those names that just kind of stand out to us. And, and we wonder, okay, are, are they going to be considered the greatest of all time? You know, the, the Babe Ruths and the, the Michael Phelpses and, and uh, the, the Michael Jordans and, and all of those people that might be the greatest of all time, but also might not be. Yeah, we, we might go a little bit further and we might be introduced to somebody who then we go, oh, well, that person is, is the greatest of all time. And we, we, we kind of see the disciples kind of trying to work that out. And they, they're trying to say, okay, who do you think this might be? And, and you can kind of get where, where they're, they're coming from. They're probably having, you know, maybe a robust dialogue about that in their, their little disciple huddles. And, and they're, they're finally going to Jesus and they're going, Jesus well, you, you should probably know this. We, we, we think that you're the person who would know who the greatest of all time is going to be. And then the reading goes on and on and on. 
I, I mean, the, that's kind of the sense that, that you get of this reading is, is you go, well, th- this seems like it should be if you've ever been in one of our worship services before or if you've been in a Lutheran worship service where, where we kind of do this gospel reading thing, you, you look at the amount of information that you garner in this gospel reading and you go, well, this is at least you know, two or three Sundays worth of gospel reading. Yeah, it kind of seems like they're hurrying up in, in order so that they can get to the next thing. And, and so you've, you've got this sense of like, okay, w- what is going on with all of this information that we have with Jesus? Because not only does Jesus start to answer their question, right? He says, hey, let me get a kid. And he puts, the, puts that kid in the middle and he says, this kid, this kid is the greatest of all time. But he's not meaning exactly that kid. He's meaning that you have to be like a kid in order to be the greatest of all time. And so he leaves the disciples feeling, well, probably a little bit unsatisfied there. But on top of that, then he goes on and he starts talking about ripping out your limbs and your eyeball. And you go, oh, okay, well, that's interesting, Jesus. Thanks for that bonus information. And, and then he goes on, and he has this really gruesome, and I think we kind of just sort of gloss over it, but you know, Jesus goes to a really dark place when he talks about if anybody would lead one of these little kids into temptation, he says it is better for that person to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the ocean. Now, for us, we go, yeah, that's just how the Bible talks. But I think that Jesus has done some thinking about this and, and that he's, he's kind of in this dark place where he's like, you know, I've thought about the right way to punish somebody who causes one of these kids to sin, causes them to tempt. And I've thought about all of the different ways, but I think the way that I want to do them in is first we get a millstone and we tie it around their neck and then we throw them into the ocean. I mean, it's like a mafia move from Jesus. And and so he he does that dark thing and and then he goes into, oh, this lovely pastoral image of, oh, there's this, you know, this uh, flock of sheep and there's a hundred sheep and then this one little sheep, you know, he goes off and my kids know this story because it's the story of baby Ba. Baby Ba is the little lamb that goes running away. Um, and, and so the little lamb goes running away and the shepherd chases after him. And, uh, th- and so that's a part of what Jesus is saying here. But Jesus doesn't stop yet. He keeps on going. There's even more. And so not only does, does he go with you know, the little sheep who, who goes running away, but then he says, okay, if you've got a problem with a brother who is also a Christian, this is how you handle that problem. And that's kind of where he wraps it up. And you go, if you're one of the disciples here, you just got like four barrels worth of information from Jesus that doesn't really seem to go along with what your question was asking. I, I mean, we, we get to the end of, of which is actually the, the end of this reading, which is actually like the middle of Matthew 18. And, and we, we go, uh, Jesus, what on earth does that have to do with being the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That, that I go and, and, and you know, I, I have this process now where 
I go to somebody and, and you know, if it's just between me and him, I, you know, I go and, and I talk to that person and if I win them, I win them, that's great. If not, then I bring along two or three others. If not, then I bring along the church. Uh, and then at some point we, we call them tax collectors and sinners and, uh, okay, but what does that have to do with being the greatest? And, and for that matter, what is the deal with all of the other readings? It's always one of those eye-opening moments for a lot of people when, uh, you know, we have all, all of these four readings that we read, that they're all supposed to be kind of generally thematic, that they're all sort of supposed to be talking about the same thing. And so you, you've got this reading from Ezekiel, this really sort of disturbing reading from Ezekiel, where, where God goes to Ezekiel and he says, hey, Ezekiel, get this, you have to warn the people of Jerusalem that, that they are sinning against me and it, you, you can't just choose not to tell them because if you choose not to tell them, then I'm killing you both. Uh, if you choose to tell them, then I'm just killing one of you. Oh, oh thanks. And, and then you get you know, a little bit nicer. Right? So, you, so you get uh, Psalm 32, blessed is the one who is forgiven. And then after that, you, you, you're kind of back down in the dumps because you're like, oh, I have to follow what the government says. And I can't owe anything, anybody anything. And there's a lot of information here. And yeah, I think a part of the problem with us in the Bible in general, but a part of the problem here with these readings is what question do we use to start to process and think about what's going on in the Bible here? Because it's real easy to just look at all of this stuff and be like, wow, there's, there's a lot of stuff. You know, in some ways, it's kind of like reading the dictionary. It's like, okay, there's all of these words, and I see all the definitions to the words, and that's all good information, but how does it all hang together? And it looks like the big thing that kind of brings all of this together isn't who is the greatest. In, in fact, who is the greatest seems to be just the thing that Jesus uses to say, ah, you, you guys still aren't getting this. Because what the disciples are doing is they're, they're trying to take one person, one historical figure maybe, or maybe even one of the disciples, or you know, maybe one of their parents, or, or whoever. And they're trying to take that person, whether it be Elijah or this kid or Moses or Michael Phelps or you or whoever, and they're trying to set them off by themselves and say, okay, this one, this, this one is the greatest. This one is the monolith of what it means to be a person who is in the kingdom of God. But Jesus responds to that by saying, this isn't about being a monolith. This isn't about being the greatest. Because the greatest is, is just going to be something that separates you from everybody else in the church. That who is the greatest is the wrong question. That the right question is, Who's the most connected? 
that that's what the church is all about. It is to see the connections that are there. The connections between those people that we have a problem with, to see the connection with the people who need to forgive us, to see the connection between all of those people. That's the thing about the church. And in a lot of ways, that's even the thing about our worldly sense of what it means to be the greatest. Because you see, in, in order to be the greatest, a lot of times, it, really what you're saying is, is that's just the most connected person anyway. That the great people in our lives are the people that can draw the connections together. And so when we start to look at these readings in terms of their connectivity, when we start to look at what God is, is saying to Ezekiel, God is saying to Ezekiel, you don't get a pass to not connect up with people. When God is speaking through the psalmist, he, he's saying what the most beautiful thing about our sinful existence is, is when we get together and we get those sins forgiven. That it's valuable for us to live in a world with authorities because those authorities can bring us together. That all of this is directed at this sense of running after somebody and connecting with them and not letting them be by themselves, but taking it upon yourself to go and find them and connect with them. There's this story of early on in, in my ministry here at, at University Lutheran where uh, somebody, I, you, you don't get a sense of this, um, just looking right here, but uh, those of you that are, are here in person, somebody was walking by those windows, and I, could, I, I can see them. You, you are not looking that way, but I can see them. And, and I saw somebody walk, and they, they walked into those doors, and uh, they, they looked around, and I could see them looking around, trying to find a place to sit and trying to find um, uh, somebody that would hand them a bulletin or something. Um, and, and they didn't get any kind of a connection and they walked back out of those doors and I lost it. I got mad. It was like, like I, I left my sermon um, and I just yelled at the congregation for a while, which was probably not a good thing to do. But in that moment, there was something that I saw that there was a loss of connection. And afterwards, somebody told me, well, Pastor Jay, you should have gone after them. To which I was kind of like, well, you're sort of relieving yourself of some responsibility there, but you're right. <laughs> if you weren't going to do it, I should have done it. So who are the one sheep people in your life that you still have to go after? Who are the people that have sinned against you that you have to go after? 
We're the people that God is asking you to make a connection with, even when that connection might be difficult. I've got those people in my life. Pretty sure that you do too. And that's the thing about the kingdom of God is that we serve a Lord who never said, I'm not going to connect with that person because of their sin. I'm, never gonna, I'm not going to connect with that person because they're just too much trouble. You know, that silly sheep that just keeps on bouncing away or that person who has sinned against me or that person who I really need to, to just bring warning after warning to. That Jesus never says, I'm not going to connect with that person. Is gospel. Because if it were up to us, we would leave certain people out of the kingdom of heaven. We would make them the greatest. The greatest sinners that we just would say, no thank you. But Jesus never does that. He says no matter who that person is, that, yeah, that sheep that you know, is probably more mangy and drooling and, uh, and ravenous uh, than he is like just a cute little baby ba. Jesus goes after that one. He goes after you. He comes after me. And he forgives us and connects us, which makes him the greatest because he's the most connected. So may you this week, may you run after the people in your lives who need running after. And may you know that you have a God who will run after you even faster because he loves you so much. Amen.